God bless you guys. It's good to see you all here at Encounter Church. Um, I hope all of you have been having a good month, a good year. Uh, October is coming to an end. Tomorrow we're in November. We have about only 63 days or so before the year ends, or less than that, 62 maybe. Um, and it's crazy how the year is just passing by. Um, we are finishing up our series in maybe three weeks, and then we're going to focus on Christmas and just talk, have several talks about Christmas. But uh, as we finish up the year, keep us in your prayer, keep Encounter Church in your prayer as we pray and think of what to do next year and how to do it. Um, we really just want to focus on getting everybody involved and you know, making sure we're all a part of Encounter Church. It's not just one person who's up here or the worship team. It's all of us um, who is involved, who, you know, we're all involved in this. Um, and yeah, so pray for us to see ways that we could all be involved and just grow together and not be so, you know, consumer-minded, but also give to the church and um, and our gifts and whatever we do. Um, if you have your Bibles, open it up to, with me to uh, Psalm 23, Psalm 23. Today, what I want us to do is look at reflection literature and reflect on work. Um, we'll be looking at Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. All of these are uh, reflect, uh, reflective um, reflection literature, and um, we want to see what they have to say about work and just meditate on what we've learned so far. So Psalm 34, uh, 23, I mean, Psalm 23, verses 1 through 4. And this is a very, very popular psalm. And it goes like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for every single individual in this room that they may see you as their shepherd, that they may see that you care for them, that you lead them to green pastures where they could rest, Lord. I pray that we may experience that in our lives, experience that today as we are together and throughout the week, Lord. I pray that you may open up our minds and our hearts to know what your word says and so that we could grow with one another and grow in this life that you have given us. Let us do your will, will better. Let us glorify you more. Let us love better, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. So as we see here and as we've seen before, we see that God works. We actually started our series with this sermon called God Works and We Work. Because God works and we are made in his image, we work. According to Genesis, God worked in creation. For six days, God worked. And then he rested. 
God continues to work. As we read in Psalm 23, God is a shepherd. Shepherds work. That's what they do. They have to tend their sheep, protect the flock from wolves and bears and snakes. They have to feed their sheep. They have to guide the flock and even discipline the wayward sheep. In Psalm 23, we see that the Lord is my shepherd. God is your shepherd. And as your shepherd, he makes sure, makes sure that, that you have what you need. God works for you to have what you need. And he works not for you to have what you want, but what you need. And what you need is rest for your soul. God works as a shepherd. He guides your soul to green pastures. Sheep love the peace that they find within green pastures. And that's where they find food, where they could eat, where they could drink, where they could rest. Similarly, God takes us to his home where we could eat, drink, and rest. There are quiet waters. The Lord works so that we can hear these calming waters. God, the shepherd, he renews our life. He renews our souls. Our souls have been damaged. Our souls are weary by the things of life, by the challenges of life. And we need renewal. And Christ brings that needed renewal. The God, the Lord, he, he works for us to make sure that we have rest. And he does all of this for his name's sake. God shepherds us, not because we did something special or because we are something special. God shepherds us. God works for us for his own namesake. This should bring some relief because if God shepherds us for his own namesake, then there's nothing that could stop him from shepherding us. Imagine if he shepherded us because of our deeds. Then he would stop shepherding us when we would do things that are wrong. But thank God that God's care for us is not dependent on ourselves but it's dependent on him, on his love, on his faithfulness. God will shepherd us not because we are faithful, but because he is faithful. God will shepherd us because he brings glory and honor to himself. He shepherds us for his own name's sake. He shepherds us and he cares for us. And even when we go through the darkest valley, and we will have valleys in this life, and even when we go through these valleys, we shouldn't fear any evil. Fear no evil. Fear no danger. Fear nothing. Because God is with you. You have the God of all creation with you. 
And with him, you can do all things. With him, you can overcome all things. With him, you don't have to fear anymore. You are more than a conqueror. Be strong and courageous because God is with you and he comforts you. Another psalm before we go to Proverbs is, uh, that I want to look at is Psalm 128. Psalm 128. It is a song of ascent. So the Israelites, they would go to Jerusalem and they would usually sing these songs as they were going to Jerusalem. And it's a song of ascent because Jerusalem is on a hill, so they're going up, and this is a song that they would sing. So Psalm 128, a song of ascent. How happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You will surely eat what your hands have worked for. You will be happy, and it will go well for you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children like young olive trees around your table. In this very way, the man who fears the Lord will be blessed. May the Lord bless you from Zion so that you will see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life and will see your children's children. Peace be with Israel. So there, there's this song called Big Rock Candy Mountain, and it's a very old song, and it talks about going to a land far away that's idyllic. It, it says there's a land that's fair and bright where the handout, hand, handouts grow on bushes, and you, see, and you sleep out every night, and the sun shines every day, and the birds and the bees and the cigarette trees the lemonade springs where the bluebird sings and the big rock candy mountains. And the big rock candy mountains, all the cops have wooden legs and the bulldogs all have rubber teeth and the hens lay soft-boiled eggs and the big rock candy mountains. The jails are made of tin and you can walk right out again as soon as you are in. There ain't no short-handled shovels no axes, saws, nor picks. I'm going to stay where you sleep all day. Where they hung the jerk that invented work in the big rock candy mountains. Where they hung the jerk that invented work. Well, I guess they would hang God in the big candy, big rock candy mountains. The song might sound good. Going to this blissful place where there is no work. But the song goes against what God intends for humans. He, the humans who he created in his own image and gave them work to do. Life in the Big Rock Candy Mountains would not result in true and lasting happiness or satisfaction. The Bible talks about a mountain, where we just read, that is our destination. But it's not the Big Rock can, Candy Mountains. It's not a place where we will not work. It's a place that we read in Psalm 128. It is a place where people fear God in a healthy way. It is a place where people walk in God's way. It is a place where you will eat what you have worked for. 
You will be happy, and things will go well for you. And this blessing is for you and your family, for you and your wife and your kids or your husband and kids. Psalm 128 shows us the good life, which consists of hard work done to provide for others, for dependents. Prosperity is not what prosperity preachers proclaim. It's not material possessions. Prosperity consists of godliness. It consists of responsibility. It consists of stewardship, how you distribute your sources. Prosperity consists of obedience and virtue, walking in the ways of God. Big Rock Candy Mountain in Psalm 128, seeing different versions of the good life. A scholar once said, In the Bible, the land of promise is not the place sought by freeloaders and slackers who long for an El Dorado where theft is easy, the hills are made of sugar, work is abolished, and handouts are freely distributed to tramps and bums who have neither responsibilities nor families. In the Bible, the land of promise includes work. Work is important to God, and work is a vital component to who we are. When we don't work, we are going against the grain. Laziness is unwise. Look at Proverbs 6, 6 through 11, and I'll just read it for you. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. And it's pretty interesting and funny, this uh, proverb. Proverbs 6, 6 to 11. Go to the ant, you slacker. Observe its ways and become wise. Without leader, administrator, or ruler, it prepares its provisions in, the, in summer. It gathers its food during harvest. How long will you stay in bed, you slacker? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest, and your poverty will come like a robber, your need like a bandit. Go to the ant, you slacker. You look at an ant, and it's working, always working, always finding food, getting food, finding a path, trying to work. Look at the ant, and you see the nature of things. If you observe it, you will see how things work. And things work. People work. Animals work. Work is important. If the ant does not work, the, its entire community suffers. Ants don't have the intelligence we have. They, they don't have the systems that we have. An ant doesn't have a leader, an administrator, a ruler. It doesn't have the proper systems in place. But it works and plans. It goes around gathering food. If an ant could work without effective systems, how much more can you work and be effective? If an ant can work and get some food. You, an able person, can get food. How long will you stay in bed, you slacker? 
When will you get up from your sleep? Realize this, a little sleep, a little slumber, it's going to affect you if you let it pile up. The Message Bible paraphrases it this way. A nap here, a nap there, a day off here, a day off there. Sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Just this. You can look forward to a dirt poor life. Poverty, your permanent house guest. If you slumber, if you're not a worker like the ant, then poverty, it is very likely that poverty will come like a robber. It'll just come out of nowhere. But you can fight against poverty by observing the ant, the ant who works. Use your gifts. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine says, Do you see a person skilled in his work? He will stand in the presence of the kings. If you use your skills in your job, you will go places. Or at least, it's very likely that you'll go places. But we know that there is uncertainty in life There's chance, there's death, there's sin. And things could go in a way that we didn't expect them to go. This leads us to the last book we will look at today, the book of Ecclesiastes. And I want you to go with me to Ecclesiastes 2, 4 through 11. Ecclesiastes 2, uh, 4 through 11. And Ecclesiastes is a book about a student who's writing his teacher's lessons. And it's a really fascinating book, Ecclesiastes 2, 4 through 11. And the teacher, he goes by the name of Kohelet. uh, And throughout the book, he laments the meaningless of toil, of work. So Ecclesiastes 2, 4 through 11. And it reads like this. I increased my achievements. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself and planted every kind of fruit tree in them. I constructed reservoirs for myself from which to irrigate a grove of flourishing trees. I acquired male and female servants and had slaves who were Born in my house. I also own livestock, large herds and flocks, more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. I also amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I gathered male and female singers for myself and many concubines, the delights of men. I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also remained with me. All that my eyes desired, I did not deny them. I did not refuse myself any pleasure, for I took pleasure in all my struggles. This was my reward for all my struggles. When I considered all that I had accomplished and what I had labored to achieve, I found everything to be futile, futile, um, 
in the pursuit of the wind. There is nothing to be gained under the sun. We see this person here who had it all. He had accomplished everything. And he found everything as futile, as meaningless, as void. Work by itself was not good enough. Amassing money and material possessions was not good enough. Experiencing all the pleasures of this world was not good enough. And sometimes it's not enough because if you worked to amass these things, you don't have enough time to enjoy these things. A few verses later, Ecclesiastes 2, 24 to 25, there is nothing better for a person than to eat, drink, and enjoy his work. I have seen that even this is from God's hand, because who can eat and who can enjoy life apart from him? Enjoy life. Enjoy the work of your hands. Don't overwork and amass everything you can get when you can't even enjoy what you have it's a blessing from god to able to reap, to be able to reap the fruit of your labor and enjoy god's blessing enjoy what you have worked for look at what the teacher has said in ecclesiastes 5:18 here is what i have seen to be good it is appropriate appropriate to eat drink and experience good in all the labor one does under the sun during the few days of his life God has given him. Because that is his reward. It is good to experience your blessings. Don't feel bad if things do work out for you. You only have a number of days under the sun. And God has given you blessings. Has given you your reward for your work. Therefore, enjoy it. Enjoy your reward. Many workers are frustrated that they aren't using their skills in their jobs, that they haven't landed their dream job, but many others are just unsatisfied and unfulfilled in their work, even though they are doing something they're okay at doing. Work can feel meaningless. The Kohelet, the teacher of Ecclesiastes, resonates with us. He asks us, is there any meaning to your life? What are you really doing it all for? Why is there so much wrong with the world? How will you cope with it? You know, nothing within this world is enough for us to live a meaningful life. Tim Keller said, if we, if we base our lives on work and achievement, on love and pleasure, or on knowledge and learning, our existence becomes anxious and fragile. Because circumstances in life are always threatening the very foundation of our lives. And death inevitably strips us of everything we hold dear. Ecclesiastes is an argument that existential dependence on a gracious creator God, not abstract belief, is a precondition for an unshakable, purposeful life. Only with God can we have meaning. 
Only with God will our work have meaning. Circumstances, if we just rely on them, we, we can't because circumstances will always challenge us. It will always make it difficult for us to find meaning in work itself. Work will never be enough. But if you see work, if you see work as a way to reflect God, as a way to continue doing his mission on earth, then you are seeing work in a healthy light. We want our work to make an impact. And we should make that impact through God. But if we just want to make an impact for just to make an impact, if we just want to make a difference in whatever we do, we think that if we accomplish something, that last we will be satisfied. But that's not true. People quickly forget those who accomplish great things. We don't know the names of doctors who have, accompli- uh, who have accomplished scientific breakthroughs which have saved the lives of millions of people. Children don't die of polio anymore because of a doctor named Jonas Salk. He invented the vaccination against polio. He did something great. But yet we still don't remember them. It's rare to find someone in history whom we do remember. One day, every famous person will not be remembered anymore. Ecclesiastes 2.16 says, For just like the fool... There is no lasting remembrance of the wise, since in the days to come, both the fool and the wise will be forgotten. Work can also seem worthless because it seems like we're not getting anything done. We put countless hours into our job, into our work, and it seems like nothing changes. The world is still in chaos, it might still be dirty. Things are getting messed up every single day. There's a lot of people who are lost. There's still injustice. And the Kohelet tells us not to be surprised about the persistent injustice. If you see the oppression of the poor and the perversion of justice and righteousness in the province, don't be astonished at the situation because one official protects another official and higher officials protect them. There's a system. There are elites, and they just want to protect each other. Consequently, bringing true change is difficult because they don't want any change. And this has been taking place since the time of ancient Israel. An Old Testament commentator commentator tells us the teacher considers the frustrations of oppressive bureaucracy with its endless delays and excuses, and justice is lost between the tiers of, hierarchy, of the hierarchy. Like nothing changes. We have all these systems, and we try to work, and work could feel meaningless because nothing is changing. And then work can also, and I think most of us could relate with this one, work could be meaningless because it draws us away from the things that give us life. Work can draw us away from relationships. Ecclesiastes 4, 7 through 8. Again, I saw futility under the sun. There is a person without a companion, without even a son or brother. And though there is no end to all his struggles, his eyes are still not content with riches. Who am I struggling for, he asked, and depriving myself of good things? This, too, is futile 
and a miserable task. Don't be a person who is alone without friends or family. Don't lose those closest, closest to you because of work. You know, you might be persuaded that working hard is good for your family and friends. It's good for you to hard, work hard even if you miss family time because you're working for family, or at least that's what you tell yourself. But it is very likely that you're working because out of ambition, not because of family. And therefore, you are neglecting your friends and family, all because of that ambitious spirit that you have. For whom are you working so hard for? Is it really for your family, or is it for yourself? One commentator said, This picture of lonely, pointless busyness checks any excessive claim we might wish to make for the blessings of hard work. So what do we do? Do we just not work? I mean, work might not continue progress. Work might take our time away for us to enjoy life with friends and family. Working all the time might make us lonely. Do we just stop working? Well, obviously, we don't do that because look, look at the ant. It works. Look at God. He is the good shepherd. He works. Look at the mountain that we'll be going to. We'll work and eat the fruit of the work that we make. We work. But don't expect work to be the be-all and end-all. It's not going to fulfill everything. You need to have a healthy view of work. Like most things in life, moderation is key. Work. You should work. Find a job where you could use your gifts and talents for the glory of God. Find a job you enjoy. Work so you can support your family. Work so you can continue God's creation project and bring shalom, even if it's challenging. Work. But don't overwork. Don't work so much that you can't even enjoy the fruit of your labor. Take it easy so you can enjoy time with friends and family. And don't allow money to take the place of spending time with God. Don't allow money to take the place of God. Don't allow money to take the place of spending time with family and friends. Moderate work. And I end with the verse, with the last verse of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, which says, When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this. Fear God and keep his commands, because this is for all humanity. After all has been said and done, what is important is that we fear God we see God for who he is, an awesome God, and we keep what he has told us to do. So let us be wise with work. Let us follow God's design for work.
And let's do work in partnership with God. And let us do his will for our lives. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, Lord. And I pray that this word may permeate the minds and hearts of your people. That people may see work in a different light. That they may have a positive view. And hopefully maybe they go home and they enjoy the fruit of their labor. And enjoy life. Hopefully they see work as a good thing. And hopefully if they need to that they may moderate work. Work isn't everything in their life. It's a big part of who they are. But God you are bigger than work. And we should keep you and in that place, higher than work, higher than everything else in our lives. Let us fear you, and let us do your will here on earth, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.